0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: it's the team talk it's not Josh, Josh Sexton it's Andy Heaton um and I'm joined in the room by Mike Keeney Tim Smith and Neil Atkinson I think it's a while since I've hosted and you've actually guessed on the show real
2: I'm very excited by it uh, I love doing I'm, team talk
1: I'm breaking it um okay <laughs> so the end club's just hosted this pre-match press conference um ahead of West Ham which is a bit weird because it still seems like it's about a week away. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, no, he's just sat down and addressed the media, um, looking forward to the game. It opened up pretty much with a question, uh, not about the game itself, but on Arsene Wenger's uh, comments on VAR earlier in the week. I don't know whether you've seen it, but his proposed changes about, um, essentially, as long as the part of the body that scores the goal is on the side, then it would, yeah, it's just, you know, how to confuse the matter even more. But what was interesting is I, I thought yeah, you are going to try and swerve it. And he opened up and said, well, you know, we've had our own thoughts on it. You know, it, it, it basically saying if we can shave the arms off, they'd be pretty much fine with it. But he's glad that it's being discussed, Neil.
2: Yeah, I mean, firstly, it was mad the other day when it was like Arsene Wenger decided he was in charge of offside for the morning. Uh, I was like, "What? Where's this come from?" Who's put? I know who's also put Arsenal in charge. Uh, also, because the suggestions, frankly, dreadful. Uh, and one of the ways you can tell it's dreadful is that Paul Wilson in the Guardian has written a piece heartily endorsing it. Uh, so it's one of the ways you can know it's absolutely awful. Uh, there is, yeah, I, I'm glad the manager ends up saying the offside rules broadly speaking fine because it broadly speaking is, and it doesn't necessarily need all this. That said, I do also agree with them on the idea that it's good to have people who who are sporting people in the room and as part of the conversation separate to that but the idea that you change the whole of the offside rule off the back of VAR because remember anything you do uh, in terms of changing a rule it therefore applies to all levels of football, so not just the ones where the cameras are present firstly, but secondly, my thing has been, and I did a physical demonstration of this with Paul Johnson before the review the other day, that if you have it that any body part is in line, then you effectively give a footballer like, for instance, Sadio Mane, who's, got a, who's able to stride like unbelievably quickly. You're basically giving him a three yards head start if his back foot is in line and his where his front foot is doesn't matter, which just changes the whole of football because the thing that defines where the football match is played is where the offside line is. So you'd start if you were defending against Liverpool or if you were anyone defending you'd start defending even deeper so you get to the point that people were almost just defending on the edge of their own penalty area or even six yard box because it'd be that concerning that someone like Sadio could get in behind and make a show of you Um, and then imagine free kicks as well where the ball gets whipped in and the only way you could defend those free kicks would be to almost put an army of footballers on your goal line and have them charge and try and win a header and the other lads charge the other way and try and win a header
0: and it'd be I think we should do this for a week (laughs) just to see what happens but Arsenal's plan for Described weak. it mad there, and I mean, I saw a similar the conversation about, um, I suppose, where about the d- the deepness of defensive lines yeah. and what this would do to those defensive lines, and when you just described it like like that there with sort of the stride pattern, particularly inside the Omani. Then you're right there in some respects, and that I haven't thought about the the free kick getting whipped in, but that would be that would be mad. Imagine that happened for a week, where everyone just stood on the line and just charged out. It'd be the only way you could defend It'd be it. Hilarious. Because if if
2: some fella's running forward and he's on, but he's a yard in front of you because his back legs in line, it's the only way you could defend it. Would yeah, be yeah, yeah. to have to face the other way. The head injuries would be a nightmare. You'd have lads running into each other. It'd look like something from uh, you, Rourke's Drift, the, the look, one for the kids. Don't so, and be maze up now. I do,
1: yeah, I do, but, I do want to you know
0: with the free kick though. Oh, sorry, sorry Ann. Like if if it's to figure out wide and say it's like thirty five yards from goal and everyone lines up on the edge of the box, what's the stop like? All the defenders being like thirty four yards from goal? Like if the obviously there's pockets you can't see it and then every single then basically everyone's in a line yeah. 35 yards from goal yeah. no one can be in the box can they because they'll be, all be offside as soon as the but, ball gets so in. The, the theory on that one is that
2: if he just dinks it over the top it just becomes a race Base, yeah. to yeah, who gets yeah, there so first so to- and they're running forwards and you've got on the half turn you,
1: you're almost tempting someone to stand 45 yards off and start running because obviously <laughs> yeah. if you're already moving at pace you haven't got to accelerate it's amazing um, are we not at the point I mean
2: I can do hypothetical <laughs> rules for hours by the way you <laughs> no, should have started this I'm saying it's like if you're already know charged yeah. Anyway, um, It's what they should start doing from the pens. So, on well, the pens thing where there's the encroachment now, what you should be doing is you should be timing your run. You should be jogging from 10 yards back so that you sprint and you start your sprint. On the 18 yard box. On the corner of where the D meets the 18 yard box. Yeah, and you should yeah. have a little channel through there, and that should be the moment where you're suddenly absolutely sprinting the minute he kicks the ball. Oh, yeah. So, you don't encroach. Yeah, they're going to hire a coach for that. And get uh, Steve Nichol- kick off. I'm cheap. I'll, I'll do it for £9 an hour. <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, it's it, it's a bit it's a bit a bit of a matter. It's kind of like that Harland. you see that thing? It totally digressing about Harland uh, breaking some kind of six hundred meter record. Yes, because he was already running.
0: There's, yeah, but I mean, I'm he was, gen- ra- he was rapping him
2: like the- I'm terrified of him. To be honest no. with you, Andy, I never want to have to play against him again.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds all right. Uh, moving on. Um... So, finished all the VAR and all that stuff. And I thought, I mean, my personal opinion on it now is that, you know, they just need to pick one thing and stick with it because whatever they do is going to cause murder for about a season. And if you're going to change it every every season off the back of people kicking off, you're never going to find a solution. Um, do you see the, the, uh, the letter the kid wrote to Jürgen Klopp? Yeah. I did. I
2: thought it was really nice. I thought it was. It was really Ferguson. I thought from Klopp, uh, like his responses, really reminded me of f- sort of some sort of combination of Ferguson and Shankly. And in the past, that sort of stuff would take like fifteen, twenty years to come out. But now it obviously comes out so quickly because everyone's in touch and everything else. Uh, and it was just a really nice letter. It was a really nice thing to say, and it's maybe worth people remembering it in the current climate.
1: I, feel, you know, it was really funny though. That, well, not funny, but what I found it intriguing that Jürgen was actually annoyed that it being leaked.
3: Yeah, that's typical like that. that, isn't it? Because like he, he, he wants it to be. A gesture, what it was, just a nice, a nice gesture for the manager and the and the, the boy and his family, but then the boy and his family think, oh, how great is this! People need to know about this, and it, you know the way things are these days, it goes all mad over online, and it probably won't stop him doing it, but I think he might think, oh, I wish I could just do one of these things where no one knows about it. I think that's he, he's. Sort do you of, think he's quite private, Mike? I think he is. Yeah, I, I think he's in the wrong era of of managing. I think he, as you say, in there back then, Shankly and, and Paisley and stuff he used to do things it's, it's worth a mouth and people who, who you know would know these stories maybe but
1: I think the, the, I think it added the sincerity to, to it didn't it Mike the fact yeah. that like you know it wasn't for because a lot of these things happen to get out into the public domain and you, and you kind of go oh yeah PR exercise blah blah the fact that he was he wasn't annoyed I think it was just mildly no. frustrated that he you know he got this letter and he said well I read a lot of the letters and we do go back to as much as they can but I'd rather it have stayed private show I mean you've had, you've had personal experience of this yourself yeah um, with being taken to Melbourne one thing or the other and I always find it fascinating with, with people with profile there and how they are on camera versus how they are off camera because we've seen both sides of it um, and, and you know, I think you, I think itself.
3: everyone at the club pretty much is exactly as you see them now on camera and away from the camera there's no I only really spent maybe an hour and a half in, in company with not not all of them at, at one time but you know in, in and out of company with, with players and clapping and his staff and there's no oh, there's a camera there, let's put a performance on. He, he literally just walked up to me and asked d clock that day, like, didn't care where the cameras were, he walked up to us, you know, shook hands, arm round you. There's probably even things that didn't even make the video that you, on my one in particular, that you don't see on the video. But that's just a, an editor's choice. So, like, there's no, oh, I better say this or this, you know, they, they literally just lashed the two microphones on us and said, off you go, go for a walk around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did it was Boss and... To be able to say that these these players aren't doing it for for effect, the manager's definitely not doing it for effect. He's wrote to a Man United fan, you know, of all the Liverpool fans, he's probably got letters off in his drawer that he wishes he could get back to, but he's got more important things to do. He probably thought, you know what, this kid's took the time to write me a letter, so I'll, I'll just get back to him and see 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 if I can make him smile.
1: It kind of echoes what Andy Lonergan said a couple of weeks ago um, about, you know, that he gets asked about egos in the dressing room. He said, to be honest, and it doesn't mean nice that they're just lads, you know, do great. The typical cliche great set of lads. Anyway, onto the uh, the actual fixes and that. He was asked briefly about Atletico. Um interesting, he said that it felt like a defeat. Um after put a proper performance in, but he finished off by saying it's the polar opposite of it. We need to get that winning feeling back against West Ham, as the difference between the feeling between winning and losing is like night and day. Um if I'm David Moyes, I'm 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 dreading it, now.
2: Yeah, well I think in general I think that West Ham you know, I mean, it's, it's no battle laughs at the minute for West Ham in loads of different ways. Trying to be nice about David Moyes, which we can occasionally try and do. He's been, re- He's come in and the fixtures haven't been pleasant at all. He's had to play us twice in quick succession. Uh, he's had City in there as well. I think he's had a couple of others. They actually got a win against Chelsea, West Ham, weirdly, but then everybody beats Chelsea these days and somehow they stay fourth. Um, there is, I think there's something, there's something with it where I think he's just going to have to... Um, you know, they are going to be on the receiving end of something, I think, at Anfield, at least for a period of time. And, and you're right to say that, Andy, you know, they've been, they've been poor for a long, long period, West Ham. Uh, I don't quite know what the answers are for them, and certainly not what the answers are for them when they're coming up against Liverpool. I think it is going to be, it'd be back to the wall stuff, which is the way Moyes would want it to be anyway. But I think it's understandable if it is. And I'm not going to, you know, I don't think I'm going to come out of that game. You know, I, if it's me, I, pl- I play four four two. If I was Mo, and I'd have a little bit of an idea of what my ball is, I'd be going to Haller long, I'd be going to Antonio long, uh, Antonio to run onto things, Haller to win them, and I'd try to have a plan as to how to how to hurt Liverpool going the other way. But I completely understand the idea that he might want to come and minimise the damage because he lives in a world where at the end of the season, goal difference could be worth a point, and it's worth remembering that that, that for West Ham is a live thing at the moment that they may well end up in a situation where they, they stay up on goal difference or the influence another other teams' behaviour. Yeah, because their goal difference is better than theirs. We well, actually help on that. He's, he's played
3: City before us, by the way, because he's, yeah, he's basically agree. got like a, a template there that we'll have a go at City. And Klopp references it. He said, Look, they weren't outplayed as, as if you'd expect them to be. They conceded two goals. One's a set piece. One's, he mentioned the Brown's goal, which is a good finish, but it's a bit scrappy beforehand. And he's saying, He's sort of saying to us, by the way, as he always does, like, we need a good atmosphere. It's not going to be an easy cakewalk, this. it's It's one where you've got to be up for it. And you, I sort of expect it to be. A four four two, and everyone would be trying to say, Look, he's, he's got the template of Atletico Madrid. If it's no, the after half an hour, it'd be boring. That comment because he literally had the game against City himself the, the the night after, where he could sort of say, Right, this is what I'm going to do for City, see how it goes, and if it's, I'll tweak it a little bit if I need to for Liverpool. But I'm generally going to go the same sort of t- style.
1: Do you think he's, Mike, do you think he's, he's used the Atletico defeat in a way to kind of reset, to kind of remind everyone? Because he did specifically mention the atmosphere and you know, we, they'll defend but all the hard. It'll be really, uh, it'll, it's going to be tough. We need a big atmosphere. I am always slightly weary when he's magnanimous about other managers. I mean, just just, just in general. Um, it's almost as if he's trying to eradicate any kind of complacency. But, you know, if, if we're going to take, take a positive from the, the result midweek, maybe we can take it out against West Ham.
3: Yeah, I, I think it, Klopp mentioned the atmosphere and... and sort of the Atletico game again is is, a, is another way of getting in for this game but not just for that the Atletico game to come you know it, as, as much as I think that we'll probably still win that game it's, it's still going to be a proper graft that game and you know we'll, we'll, we're, we're lucky to be where we are at the moment even though we've worked incredibly hard to be where we are we're not having to do it every game because we've got such a cushion in the league you know at some point somewhere a draw will happen and everyone won't lose their heads I wish um, so I th- I, I'm 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 alright with it. I'm I'm not I, I think two or three years ago I'd have been a bit losing my head about oh is this the start? But I, I don't I just think it, it happened earlier after let's go. It was a frustrating night. I, I think the players will be more frustrated with themselves and feel like they've not let us down but let themselves down because they walked into a trap. It happened, a scruffy goal. You know, when was the last time we conceded from a corner? It was a second ball from a corner, I know but it wasn't like one didn't
0: he um, point it out on Monday night football or something? On, yeah. On Monday after the game, it was like is it one goal conceded per like 120, 120, or 120 so. corners mm-hmm. it was because we only let one goal in all season um, just as going back to what Neil was saying about West, West Ham I mean I, I can see them maybe being on the end of something on Monday um, I think because I, I, I think the physical element of our game now I think we're a bit more physical on Man City and I think they'll be they'll, they will have had that taken out of them on Wednesday don't forget that we had a game which we mostly controlled I'd say on, on Tuesday we did a lot of it was a ve- very frustrating game but the physical exertion probably wasn't there to the same extent as what West Ham have faced against Man City and there's a lot m- more difficult to chase the ball yeah. for 90 minutes than yeah. what it is to, tr- to dictate the play for 90 minutes. Um So, I mean, yeah, I can... It's always good beating David Moyes, isn't it? Let's be honest, because he's crap, isn't he, really? <laughs> you don't want to be there, right? Back after no, yeah, he's, he's yeah. winning, And he's a, he's a winner without ever, he's a winner what, without ever winning it and is winning anything, isn't he? And I can I can see them going down this season because Neil mentioned the fixtures there as well. I think I saw a start after the game on Wednesday as well, where Carragher and Keane said that, I think six of their next seven, or five of their next six away games between now and the end of the season are away to the top six in inverted commas. Yeah, they are, yeah. So, so basically, chances are, and, they, and then they showed David Moyes' record against the the top <laughs> six, is like played 42, won none, drew 10, lost 32. So the chances are he's getting two points in them away games, so he's got to start doing something at home where they've been, they've been garbage at home as well, haven't they? So, I mean... We'll just get relegated, think he get the relegation trophy.
1: Well, I mean, I think they're certainly being realistic about it. Um, earlier today, Neil spoke to Andy Middleton uh, about, the, well, basically from West Ham and whether it really is at all as bad as it seems. With Andy Middleton
2: to talk about West Ham United and the fact that Andy, it's been difficult for it to get any better, <laughs> but it isn't getting any better.
4: <laughs> so I've got I'm at the gallows humour stage now, where I really, um, yeah, I I, I don't see how it's going to personally at the moment i mean i could be pleasantly surprised but um i thought we were you know close to woeful last night you can argue being at city etc etc but other sides like wolves and palace and that have gone there and given them a game and i thought i thought we were poor i don't see us being much different at your place and uh I don't see what's going to change, personally. I don't don't see what's going to change at all. Before
2: we get stuck into directly at our place, just for our listeners, I'm sure you're aware, West Ham's next run of games, Liverpool away, Southampton at home, Arsenal away, Wolves at home, Tottenham away, Chelsea at home, and that takes us into April. And this is the sort of run that relegates teams, Andy. I mean, I'm not saying it just to say it. I'm saying it because I'm looking at that at the minute. it, It looks awful.
4: Yeah, it does. But I think, you know, the, the more worrying for me, which, which I think speaks, volumes, I don't want to do the stats, you, you know, you look at it, the team in front of your eyes, but the two stats that scream off the page for me, and, it, and even last night, I think we've conceded eight or nine goals now from corners, which is is ridiculous. you just conceding a goal once every two or three games from a set piece. And I think we've now dropped 19 points from winning positions. Yeah. And that, you know, if, if you get ahead in a game in the Premier League, um, the three went up against Bolton, the one up against Everton, when they equalized, right? I could, you go through the list, but 19 points. If you look at other sides, you've got a bit of a backbone defensive organization and a game plan. They don't do that. And if, if we'd only dropped half of those points in winning positions, I think it would be poor but we'd be in a very different position in the league you can't you can't get ahead in games you can't be on top in games and draw or lose those games from from naivety and ineptitude and i think that's that's what we've got and i don't see that getting better so that you know then confidence becomes rock bottom all the old clichés about it being a confidence game and uh, so on we go so yeah, yeah. i don't I, I I don't see what's going to change in the side because I think it's not just change this or change this formation. I think there's more fundamental problems than
2: that. You, 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 you walloped when Moyes first came in. You walloped West uh, Bournemouth 4-0. And I think yeah. I thought, and a lot of people thought, all right, that's the, the, the sign of something. It's worth, you know, yeah. if you go back across all of those games, all the Moyes games and go back into November bar that one game against Bournemouth, it's probably the only time you've been on the pitch and been the better side since early November. And that, is, that has yeah. got to be, you know, this isn't just, as you said before, not seeing out leads or anything like that. That's got to be concern, and that over the run of 90 minutes is against yeah. Brighton and Hove Albion, you know, against yeah. sides, Crystal Palace, sides that aren't no, no, known for their creativity, they've been creating a hell of a lot of chances against West Ham.
4: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think yeah, Brighton was, was a good example of both, you know, twice throwing away a two-goal lead um, uh, you know, when you're 2 nil up, and then, uh, but you know, I, I could go right back to I remember the game at Burnley, but I don't know if you saw it. The, go- the goals we conceded against Brighton were woeful defensive mistakes. You're 2 nil up and you're in charge of it. And someone comes back in, as you that 2 1, you've given them, what you, we gave them a the lifeline back into that game. Yeah. If you're doing that, if you're making a really poor, poor mistakes in games that lead to goals, um. Then basically, you need to be three or four nil up to, to give anyone a chance. And what happens is, once anyone gets back into so it, I think confidence is so low. As you said, we were holding on against Bright. We went from three one up to be desperately holding on for a draw. Um, so I, I, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to change because that run of games isn't going to do a lot for the confidence. Uh, last night, you, you know, Haller, Lanzini, Anderson, the, the big signings and the creativity are all on the bench. Mm. Now, I, I don't know I don't know, he's resting rest for, for bigger things or what. Um, I don't know. So you'd think there is, there is something, I don't know, wrong in the camp. Um, obviously, as we return to the old themes we've always spoken about, things amongst the supporters aren't great. Um, uh, and I think the, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how detached the hierarchy of the club. I know they, they say how we're in serious financial trouble if we go down, but you know, what? I think there's a lot of supporters that, that think, well, it's your pockets, not ours. I don't really care mm. to be brutally honest because the, the whole, you know, moving to move to the next level, we're three years into that now and we're staring relegation in the face.
2: Uh, it, um, it's the fact that it's, it's, it's almost never been further away Andy And that's the, the staggering thing That the people who are running this football club And I think there's been good managers There's been different types of managers But the people who are ultimately running the football club now Are the ones who are having the fingers pointed at them aren't they, that yeah. Moyes is Moise, everyone knows what you're going to get But it's not about Moyes. it's about them
4: yeah, it, it, and, and, and it really is. And th- there was a lot of talk about the money spent. And I don't know she it was a very good sport piece on the Sunday supplement where the owners got ripped to pieces for what they did at Birmingham. And, 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 and their reaction was to issue legal letters and, and get an, appoint- uh, a, 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 an apology out of them. And there was a really good piece Oliver Holt did in the mail of a kind of you know, pseudo-apology um, which, which mm. listed all the ills of the club under the guise of an apology and, and the reality is i think the biggest misnomer is how much money they've spent i think mean, we've got a net spend of 25 million per transfer window on on, on average and you know for, for every anderson we bought in a pie a went out for every hallock that came in uh, an out went out so so in terms of your net spend we've spent less than leicester we're down there with brighton you, you know and, and unfortunately i hate to say it, in this league um If you're not investing properly in your academy, um, you know, we've sold our old training ground, moved to a new one, which allegedly doesn't have great facilities. You go through all those things. If if kids aren't coming through and to get more players in, you're selling your best players. And when they become your best players, for whatever reason, personality side, that Piatts and Onoutovićs don't want to stay. Then, then you're going to stand still. And if you spend, you know, if I look at where we are, in my mind, there isn't a manager or a player at Leicester that couldn't be at our place, except Leicester are a really well-run club. Yeah. So, so in terms of the money spent, um, they spent more than us. But we, you know, when they bought Madison, when we bought Anderson, I could go f- go through the list of the people that are there. When Johnny Evans was on a free, yeah, and we paid million for a bonnet. you know, the the. I was with someone in the game, shall we say, without all that I know these people, uh, and he was saying, you know to two of the scouts there were um brothers and friends uh, of the previous manager. so when we literally I think have one scout there at the moment because we don't we don't invest in you know the club isn't invested in as a club uh,
2: the, the infrastructure the, the all the stuff yeah. that goes on behind the scenes, the training facilities, yeah. scouting, so, like you say, at the day to day.
4: Yeah, so if you if you look at, I know there's the things, and they're ter- <laughs> a very terrible example to use at the moment. I don't know it's well at Liverpool, but I certainly know what goes on at Man City. The the infrastructure they have under their sporting director with their academies, with their kids, with how they do it, with their global sporting links, it would be a shame for them if Guardiola went. But you, although that's the way the team plays, you don't get the impression that would be end of that Man City thing. Do you know what I mean? They've yeah. built an entire infrastructure. They've built a football club that operates as a football club that another manager could come into and reap the rewards and the benefits off. We don't we don't have any of that when we talk when you talk about investment. It's not just about occasionally 30 or 40 million for a player. And I think when you see sports professionals, which you've got with Fenway, people that understand how to run sports clubs for the benefit of the club, you don't end up in the mess we're in. You you know, you you, you people that genuinely want the best for the club or they understand sport as an industry. And I don't think our, our our owners understand either. You know, we still got a vice chairman who writes a column in the Sun every week. You know, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I can't imagine Shay Mohammed or or John Henry writing columns in the Daily Mirror somehow. I don't I don't see that as an ownership a, a structure of a fa- of a top football club. Um, so yeah, I think we've got some serious problems. <laughs> yeah, you,
2: yeah, and it, it feels as though if you, if you escape just this season, those serious problems aren't going to go away. And that's always a bad place to be, in, I think for any football club.
4: Yeah, and I think if you look, a lot of the clubs around that piece, there's always a club like us who gets bought into it. You know, you look at, and it doesn't always end well, Sunderland and Stoke and all these all these clubs. You know, there's none of this bounce straight back thing when you don't have the infrastructure when you've done it. And there will probably be seven points, I suspect, from probably from eighth place down to relegation. It's, it's it's never a big, you know, you're never mm, 15, yeah. 20 points adrift. Um, and so two or three of those winning positions become become all-important when you're not steaming away and, and, and doing what you're doing. But the reality is, if we were to play Sheffield United or Wolves or Leicester tomorrow, I'd expect to get battered.
2: And so um, playing City on and Wednesday and then Liverpool on Monday, all you're thinking yeah. is, how many goals are we going to ship?
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought City, you know, didn't have to try that hard last night. If Aguero had, had his finishing boots on, they'd have got a few more and, and we didn't really threaten them. Um, I, I don't think it would be any different. And I think the last conversation, I hope you guys on here, you know, when we were playing you at our place, I, I fully expected to get battered. Now there were times 10 years ago, we were woeful, but Upton Park under the lights, you think the crowd will get on it. We might get up for it. We could turn this lot over. That, that I don't ever see happening anymore. I just I, you know, it's just a stroll for people when they come to our place now. Um, so that, that's always going to cost us. But I, I just, as I said, I don't think the infrastructure of the club is there, and I, in that way, I fear for us if we go down. Now there, you know, there are rumours of takeovers that go on at the moment, um, where which which people are laughably saying, you know, if certain people took us over, we sold our soul. I think we're we're way down that road now. So if we become, I don't know, RB Stratford or whatever it is, then so we do. I don't. I think most people are fast carrying on that because I don't think the image is gone. But um, I, I, unless something dramatic like that happens. Like a sporting conglomerate like a Red Bull or, you know, someone else comes in that, that knows how to run football. And it's not just the money. It's knowing how to run football clubs. Right. And I, I use Red Bull as an example because of what they do done with New York and what they've done with Leipzig and what they've done in Austria. They, they, they know how to run sports. organizations, what they run with Formula One. They're professionals. and I That's the problem. We don't have professionals in charge.
2: Okay, uh, thank you very much to Andy. I'm not going to ask him for a score prediction. It feels unfair. Let's get back over.
1: Yep, yeah, great stuff from Andy. Um, <clears throat> rather scathing actually, and just to make the point, I know there there's some figures referenced in regards to the net spending, and I mean there's various websites with different figures on, but you get you, generally you get. You, I, I think we got these broader points. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And I think that the, the the main thing I would actually take from what he says is the depth of the disillusionment that there is there and that that has been there for a while. Listen, I thought this season, West Ham, you know, they start really, really well and it just goes off the boil. But I thought this season they could finally capitalise on everything and it's gone absolutely the opposite way. And I think there's only so many times you can ask a group of supporters to go back to a certain well and get behind something when they're not entirely convinced by it anyway. And when it's going so badly wrong for me, I think they're in real trouble um, you know I think the trouble that they're in is deep and significant because everybody else even where Bournemouth it seemed a bit hopeless a few weeks back has found a little bit of a pathway I think to get some decent results mm-hmm. um And West Ham, to me, just don't look anywhere near that pathway. But they also just don't look anywhere near that sort of collective desire to have one. And I think that that's what's concerning. You know, it's not about whether or not Moyes has lost the dressing room. And I don't even think it's that much about how good a manager Moyes is or isn't. It's that the whole football club just seems as though it's not functioning as it's meant to at this point. And eventually that takes its toll. We've seen it, you know, under Hicks and Gillette. Uh, We've seen good players put in shifts that are four or five out of ten, which should be seven, eight out of ten because things aren't right at the club as a whole. And, and you know, that can't just be put down to the to whoever it is who's in charge of the dressing room. I think it's top to bottom. I think it's the whole place. And I think that that's currently what West Ham is seeing.
1: So, I mean, <clears throat> we were down at West Ham the other week. I read a really good piece on The Athletic, actually, about Anfield and how it's tight in the corners and all that, mm-hmm. and like, like literally in the town. And I remember going to Upton Park, and it, was, it wasn't it was just the actual stadium itself. It was the in and around the ground and getting and getting up there. And it felt tight and it felt heavy. And you've got this new experience, Mike, where they're in the the former Olympic Stadium, and we were there the other week when we went down to watch Liverpool. And it it just feels like it's almost like going to well to Wembley. It just feels like a day out more than anything. You don't feel that that weight or that intensity or that pressure where, where, at Upton Park, where you'd always felt, even if Liverpool were flying and West Ham were not having the best of times, you knew you were in for a tough game.
3: Yeah, you you as if, as if you put yourself in a West Ham's fans' shoes there and imagine trying to go to, like go to a home game every week. Whatever the other week in the season where it's, as you're saying, more like a day out and not like a routine. And, they, and it might start seeming like a routine to some of them who go week in, week out. But, you know, I, I couldn't imagine going to anywhere but Anfield at the moment. And I'm glad we sort of stayed in it and expanded because you, you would have definitely lost something while you were trying. You, you definitely lost a... a a, a huge part of, of the, the maybe the supporters just identity and the club's identity while you were still trying to find something else which which the move represents and the ground is, is, is not a football ground it's it's an athletics ground isn't it because it's still got the track in I think they've put planning permission in possibly to, to put uh, re- removable seats on the track at the minute which would make it a touch better but it, it all feels a bit too far too late uh, especially if they go down this season and you know they, they, they need to fill a I think he wants to go to sixty, sixty one with the the added seats and Excellent I don't think madness. it's madness 'cause you're not gonna get you're not gonna get forty in the championship if they go down. I think you'd be very lucky. You'd have to lower the prices, you'd have to uh, sort of have a have a, a better idea, a more joined up thinking in the whole club from from the top right down to the bottom of this is what West Ham is, this is what we need to be getting back to or, or, or moving forward on with. To, to hopefully for them anyway, get back in the, in the Premier League. It's not looking good for them at the moment. If they, if they do manage to survive, I think they've had a lucky escape, especially the way this season's gone. And I, I, I sort of don't blame West Ham. I've got, I don't know, I'm not really that bothered about West Ham. I don't like them, don't really dislike them. You know,
1: but isn't, isn't that it, though? You, you, you're you kind of vanilla on them, whereas yeah. previously you'd always had had the kind of grudge and respect and even...
3: It was always a tough place to go. You yeah. go, oh, I wouldn't want to go to West Ham there. Like, the last ever game at Upton Park, you just knew, no matter what was going on, it was it. And the game against United, you can say what you want, like the, the bus gets attacked and that, and that's, you know, we've seen things about that in the past. Not not good, but, you know, going in, the atmosphere, the grounds, right on top of it, we they can affect the game. We, we've seen it ourselves, we affect the games. I, I remember Villarreal players... Visibly shaken, like not happy. Um, I think Eric Bailly never played the home game at the time when he played for Villarreal. But his partner Ruiz, who was a, like a professional centre half, 28, 29 years old at the time. He, he was like I I've never I've never had this, and he's played in big stadiums all around. So you can it. It's cliche and and it sounds like um, some toffee from from fans to be said, but it definitely impacts on the players and. It's a it's a big miss for them while he while he can't.
1: I mean, you, you listen to what Andy was saying, Tim, and it, it's almost like there's a sense of it. I you speak to other West Ham fans; we know a couple of. It's almost a sense of more, they're almost in mourning for what they've lost. It's almost like it's a different club now, you know, yeah. c- compared to where it's come from and the roots. Because yeah, you talk to West Ham fans, and the, the media's full follow them. I think there's more West Ham supporting correspondents in the in the uh, in the UK press than there are than there are any other team. But they've just kind of lost this sense of identity and, and direction.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think we've probably seen that with pretty much all teams that have moved away from their ground to some extent, haven't we? Because, I mean, you see, well, Wenger
1: was brilliant on the Eminence, wasn't he? With that interview we did with Klopp where he said they left part of the soul at home. Yeah,
0: exactly. So obviously Arsenal are the de the, the facto prime example of moving away from your nice, tight ground to something which is a bit of a, a soulless bowl. And obviously you've seen a lot of other teams do it as well. Your Boltons, your Leicesters to some extent, your, your Southamptons away from the Dell. I mean, Liverpool in the 90s, at the Dell, I just felt every time you go there, you're going to get tonked by a, a, a basically Mark, a, lo- used a general, load of a no load rubbish footballers, Chris Marston running yeah, the show. Yeah. Francis Bernali going mad from right back, like doing mad stuff. So yeah, I, I can see where sort of West Ham are, are coming from. I mean, we've we've struggled. We've <laughs> we've won We've won it at Upton Park as well, but at times you saw like you knew you'd been in a you game. You knew you'd been in a game. And I think there was one was the one game when Mark Noble scored a penalty or a couple of penalties where it was a. They they've got they got a bit of a roll one time. These we we might might have been level. It was two and for they scored and he scored again. Andy Carroll might have even was he playing for West Ham? I don't even know. Maybe not. But Mark Noble definitely scored a couple. And it, the game just got away from you. And then the crowd got up and they get behind. They get behind the team. And then before you know it, you're in quite a bit of trouble. Cops the first season though I think. And uh,
2: Emery Chalmers the only one because the, they score when Moreno's down. And yeah. he stays down. I was at that game because he lost the ball. Lost the ball. He, the ball, the he pitch, stays yeah. down, and uh, it, they should sort of put it out, but they don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. The referee should do something, but he doesn't. It might have been a foul, but it wasn't. They score go one nil up, and Liverpool never come back from it. Emery yeah. chance the only Liverpool player who stands up.
0: Yeah, and and you, you'd see that happen not just to Liverpool, but to the other teams as well. You watch West Ham on the telly if it, they get behind, and they've had some good players there in the past. They've had they've always had the semblance of a of a of a decent team with some decent players in them, but I think. You know, on yourself, if you're having a bad day, but you've got the crowd behind you, and they get behind you, and they, they back you that little bit more, you're always in with a chance. Whereas now, I feel as though if they if they're putting in a bad performance or that they're, they're under the cosh a little bit, there's no way that that crowd are, are trying to g them up to bring them back into any any sort of game. So I don't really know what did what did what did they what did they even do anymore? I mean, how do you how'd how you bring that back? Because you can't you can't change that stadium into something. Else, it is what it is now. And you and can't you, go
1: back to Upton Park because it's not even to, there Yeah,
0: anymore. so, I mean, what what do they even do? I mean, I don't see, I don't really see where West Ham sort of go, for me, to be to be quite honest. Because what are they selling to players who want to come there? Not much because the fans hate them all. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't I generally don't know what
1: to do. Really Endless moise.
0: Yeah. now Part of the thing on that is listen,
2: your ground move, you've got a chance to create a new story, but I think you've actually got to do it quite quickly. So Leicester have ended up in a great shape. Steve Graves made that point on the weekend. You know, let, there's no Leicester supporters sitting around at the minute saying, I wish we were back at Filbert Street. But the reason why, though, is because of everything they've done since. If you don't hit the ground run, never get cynical about it. And and I think that that's where they've ended up, in that you just sort of remove the goodwill. You remove a lot of your own legends. You need to write a new one pretty quickly. And if you don't, then I think the old one sort of sticks and it'll take a long time to, to shake. And that's, for instance, the point you can make about the Emirates. You know, um, Arsenal go with their last title, go the season unbeaten when they're in Highbury. And that, that matters. And then they go to the Emirates and they haven't won the league since. And it's now a place that becomes in the head of the supporters synonymous with something else that Highbury mm-hmm. wasn't it doesn't have those stories it doesn't have Thierry Henry it doesn't have Tony Adams run the length of the pitch to smash it in against Everton to make it 4-1 when you win the first title under Wenger it doesn't have all that it becomes something else and I think that that's a really th- a really important thing to remember that literally places hold memories and when you throw them away well you've, you've got to be able to create new ones pretty quickly or you're going to find it hard
1: Mike right, just go so folks on the game uh, Monday night as I said about three weeks away um so on team news. Um <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um Henderson joined himself for three weeks. So I mean whilst Liverpool have got opportunity to flush Tuesday out the system, there's a decision to be made in midfield. What are you thinking?
3: Uh, I think Fabinho will start just because now we're, now we're, without Henderson. You could you could even sort of say Wine them could be the sixth, but I think it'll be Fabinho needs to get his legs underneath him as soon as possible. Another ninety minutes will do that. You know, it didn't look Great again in spells, but Atletico, uh, Atletico, sorry, Atletico. Um, once he gets his feedback under him, we'll be happy. So, get him in the six. I think kate will start. I think Cator starts because he probably is unlucky in a way not to get on on Tuesday. <laughs> um, he sh- he, I think I think it'll be them too, and then you, it's one of Ynall the Morlocks, Chamberlain, and or, or, you know. <coughs> I think it's gotta be a case of where the the two eights have got to be progressive. So you could even just say, right, give be in the time off and the that when not be the sixth, you have Cater, you've Chamberlain, you could you could even have Milner or Lallana, who who you can bring in because it's a it's a Monday night game around Fields who you know, won miles better than West Ham. Let's that's, that's not have no there's no two ways about it. We turn up and play to so hard we can with anyone from from the f- we've got five or six options in the middle park any one of them on, on the on the park playing well we do the business we'll we still have the full backs as, as they are any temptation to change it at centre half give Massive a bit of, a run out Um, I don't know I wouldn't personally but maybe Klopp will
1: I yeah, think hell, is, got... hell is fit isn't he Neil how, how yeah, how was February?
2: It, yeah. You had him on the bench the other day. I'd be looking at playing Matup against Watford, uh, yeah, okay. to be honest with you, and then play Gomez against Chelsea. That's the thing I'd be doing if I was the manager um, and do it that way around. Uh, that's a week's time. But I think that, you know, you know what you're going to get from Watford, a vicarage rose, and it might be that you just go with Matup that day because then you can use Gomez in the, the midweek game against Chelsea. I'd start Alana. Really would. Yep. I know it's a bit of a call, but I would like to see him go for Fabinho, Keiter and Lana. They're going to sit deep, so the idea of Keiter and Lana, both with their heads up, both looking at where things are, both able to keep the ball, both able to play well in little areas, both able to get past people and both able to score... I wouldn't mind seeing them both in there. I don't like when we've seen it and listened, it might it might come alive for us, but I don't like Fabinho, Kite and Oxlade-Chamberlain. I feel as though if you're not careful, you'll end up with no one playing center yeah. mid. Um, whereas you need so you know, in a really weird way, Fabinho drops deep and then those two go looking and you end up just with a bit of a broken team. I'd like to see Lallana get the game because I, I expect them to start against Chelsea. I think you need to try to keep him fresh and involved because you're going to need him over the course of the season. But this one's perfect. I wrote him a little email thing this morning that he's well better than Mark mm-hmm. Noble. Uh, and Mark Noble will play in Captain West. Will Hand you United. leave that, Paul? Uh, but I know it's he, he's a good player, Mark Noble, and he'll try his best. But Lalana well better than him, um, and you just have those two up against one another in a duel, and Lalana wins the day.
0: Where are you going? Stick on front three. Absolutely, yeah, stick front three, stick back four. Yeah, I mean, just on the on the midfield point, I mean, think what what Mike said there is probably what Klopp will probably go with. Um, I think, to be honest. Because I don't, I don't think he's going to make two changes in, um well, two changes that gets to, to the system and the way the the way they will set up. I th- I do think on the Cate Oxley Chamberlain point. I do, I do imagine in, in Klopp's mind when he bought both of those players when he bought kaita that that would be those two plus a six would be the three to play against basically the bottom ten at Anfield because of basically the reasons that Mike mentioned in that they're both progressive, they both get forward. Obviously, Oxley Chamberlain can score, kaita can score. But again, back to Neil's point, it hasn't really transpired to work out for whatever reason. Probably to, due to I a mean, combination. It might. Of, it might yeah, 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 but due to a combination of them, probably both never really being fit at the same time. You probably aren't able to work on that together in maybe in, in training as much as what you'd like as well. In terms of where each other needs to be when the other person is is further up or, or further back. So I think it'll be when Alden Fabino and maybe and maybe Caters to get to get the legs in. Um, I was going to reference Neil's email because I know he, he had the big shelf for Adam Rolana in there. I don't know. obviously he'd be on the bench if Henderson's not fit Mm. Um, but I'm not too sure whether he started just in case Jones gets any bench or, or, or any minutes
2: off
3: the bench I, don't I think he's on the bench. It, it, there's every chance he could yeah. get
0: minutes off it, but
2: it's whether or not he gets onto the bench because there's so many. at have been Minamino did not make the last league squad, yeah. so that's where Curtis might end up with a little bit of a problem in that. I'd, I'd like to see if Curtis is on the bench and this game is comes th- off the bench in the away and back in the, 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 the when yeah. we play. Oh, uh, I was going to say it was on Park them, but I do the gaff. Yeah, no, I think I, I think if he's on the bench, I think he'll get on, but it's whether or not he gets on the bench. If you see what I mean? Mm. Yeah.
1: Yep. So um, we're all fancy Liverpool to so win we're, we're comfortably then. Yeah, I think I think but we'll but we'll do scores the minute. But can you see? Is there any? Can you see where any you see a world where the, this becomes an issue?
2: I think that the, when I said 4-4-2 before. I wasn't citing it about Atletico. I was just citing it about the fact that I think that West Ham could have a really good front two with Haller and Antonio. Mm-hmm. And I think that when Haller we went to the gaff, Haller won won some headers against Van Dyke, which we all sort of decided to gloss over because he's Virgil. But I think Haller's really really good in the air. Antonio's got a good record against. does and drives at us and is the sort of player we don't really like. Uh, he starts Antonio against City as the as the lead forward and as uh, as the new lad in behind whose name I've forgotten, which is inconvenient. Uh, no, no, it's, it's it's another new lad uh, oh. they got in midfield, and he plays a weird thing where he's got the two left backs, which he does against us when we go to their place. I just sort of think the best thing he could do is have a plan to score. If I was supporting, and I, but also I think for Moise and for the club in general, I think that whilst they get a 2-0 against City and Klopp's nice about them, I think their supporters would rather have seen them have a little bit more of a go and maybe lose there 4 was criti-
1: There was criticism about that because Moyes made a big thing in the week about bring yourselves up, get in there, yeah. make it big, yeah, and, and then, then they were limp as a, letter, uh, a wet letter Yeah,
2: would say 2-0 now if you offered the 2-0. Off. He would, but I think that yeah, de- 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 you're completely right. Is there a
1: Moyes thing about Liverpool though, Mike? I, 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 I don't necessarily agree with that. Sorry, Neil. Right. Um, With it being David Moyes and with it being Liverpool, uh, you you just wonder whether he. The, God, I, I like to think that the fact that it's Liverpool really fucking does Moises Evan. <laughs> yeah,
3: I don't I don't think he's got a say in the matter, you know I really don't. I think I, I think he can he can he, he could possibly have this vendetta slash I really want to do well because Liverpool, and he's got the the ten year thing at Everton. But when's he ever done well at Anfield? sort of thing? like, but like it's regress to him being himself only. Uh, yeah, under <laughs> pressure. The, the only way I can see if you're in David Moyes' shoes, you want it to be another half time. And if you get to nil nil at half time, it's then 45 minutes of, oh, what do I do? Do I stick or do a twist? Because if you stick, we're going to twist and do something different that you weren't expecting. Because we always do after half time these days. And if you twist, then we'll absolutely pick it apart. And because, because we've spotted something. I, I think, I, I think as much as Moyes probably needs a point. Or, or, or something so he can say look we, we've done well out of Liverpool and City we've got something when we were expected to get nothing so therefore we can bounce into the next few games they've got which is a few London derbies as well I think he can then put his, ta- put his tails up on that but I, I don't think he wants a pasting and I think he'll at City or Liverpool he would have got a pasting if he'd have tried to be over adventurous
0: yeah
1: right quickly then score predictions wrap this up so I'll go around the table Tim
0: Um, I'll go with 3-0 3-0
1: Mike
3: Keeney Uh. I I won three nil, but we we'll wait and see. I I won five nil actually. Just David Moyes won five nil. I just want a nice performance so we can flush the Atletico game out and, and go. Look, we, this is what we will do when we when we can and when we're not frustrated. But anywhere between three and five.
2: Uh, I'll split the difference. Back to back four nil victories at Anfield.
1: Fantastic. We'll have that. That's been the team talk. Thanks. to the Same. Thanks to Mike. Thanks to Neil. I've been Andy Heaton. I would imagine Josh Sexton. will be back next time. uh yeah, Up the Reds. Nice one.